And good morning, everybody, to Small Biz Matters People, Purpose and Policy. Today, we are going to be speaking to Rosemary Sinclair, who's the CEO of AUDA. Now, with decades of experience as a leader and advocate in the telecommunications industry, our today's guest is no stranger to policy, international diplomacy and being at the helm of industry bodies. She's part of powerful advocacy organisations and she's had the ear of government. As the CEO of AUDA, the administrator and self-regulatory policy body for Australia's country code top level domain, and yes, we're going to unpack that today, the AU infrastructure that supports more than 4 million .au domain names and helps internet users navigate to websites and send emails with domain names ending in .au. So quite a big job. It's about delivering a secure and reliable AU, implementing effective AU policy rules and investing in the Australian internet ecosystem to improve the utility of the .au domain. She's here with us today to tell us about its purpose, why this matters to small business people and in what ways .au advocates for small businesses in the telco industry. Welcome to Small Biz Matters, a show where we are dedicated to empowering small businesses and advisors to engage with policy and advocacy. Why? Because what government does very much matters to all small biz, good and bad. Sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office, each week we sit down with experts, advocates, business leaders, policymakers and politicians to dive into specific areas of government policy that affects your clients and your business. We'll give you the heads up on what's coming down the policy pipeline, find out who's fighting in your corner and empower you with ways you can influence those decisions which affect your business every single day. We proudly broadcast live on our local community radio station, Triple H 100.1 FM, the community broadcasting network, and later wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Let's hear from this week's expert on Small Biz Matters, people, policy, purpose. I'd like to welcome to the program, Rosemary Sinclair, who joins me on Zoom. Welcome so much to the program, Rosemary. How are you? And um, I'm really keen to unpack about the .au uh, domain names and how it all works. But firstly, thanks so much for joining us on the program today. It's an absolute pleasure, Alexi. Um, as you know, I'm really passionate about small business um, and the intersection of small business and technology is something that really excites me and I'm uh, really pleased and honoured to have the opportunity to chat with you about that. Excellent and let's start off by talking about the um, the .au administrator and what it is that you do and how you support small businesses. There's a lot to unpack there and I'm really looking forward to explaining that in detail to small businesses out there and also their advocates and people who support them. Yeah, uh, .au domain administration is if you like um, Australia's connection to the internet. Um, it's the um, addressing, accessing part, not the communications cables or the satellite, um, but it's the system that we all use to get or send information through a website or an email. Um, it's something that operates really quietly in the background uh, and in some senses, Alexi, um, we do that so that people don't have to worry about it. A bit like energy and water, really. You just want it to be there when you need it. Um, but it's a big and complicated task. Yeah, I can imagine. And I must say that that must be working quite well in the background because we might hear about outages that occur with certain telecommunications companies or certain energy mm -hmm. companies when things go down. But we don't hear about the .au, I guess, um, 
Is it a piece of infrastructure? Mm. How does it work in the background? It never goes down, which is good. Yes, no, it's it's a piece of critical infrastructure um, and we operate under a formal arrangement called Terms of Endorsement with the Australian Government to make sure that um, Australia's connection to the internet is reliable, secure, always available, uh, a trusted space where people can confidently engage online and to create that sort of internet environment for Australia we do a lot of work um, technically on security matters uh, with our rules to make sure that um, uh, only people with a valid Australian presence uh, can get a .au. Uh, and then in terms of policy, we represent Australia's interests in the international debates uh, about the development of the internet. So it's really that kind of three-pronged approach, the technical platform, the licensing rules and the policy work. So I'm interested to know how you interact with other countries. <clears throat> Obviously, we we interact, we we have trade, we have commerce on an international basis. Almost every um, business in Australia would in some way connect internationally with either peers to learn from mm -hmm. them or associations. And so we're part of a global community. How does an organisation like yours interact with other, is it is it you have similar counterparts in other countries that mm -hmm. do the same thing and then you all get together and chat and say this is how it's going to work? Exactly. There are two sorts of um, domain codes, if you like. There are country codes like .au, .nz for New Zealand, .uk for the United Kingdom, .fr for France. And then there are what are called generic codes, which is like .com, .org, dot shop dot bank um, so we interact with our country code colleagues uh, at least three times a year in a big global coordination meeting that happens where we all get together and talk about the way the system is running uh, what new things might be coming up like blockchain for example or the internet of things and what would be our role in making sure that our system uh, remains stable and secure that provides for the innovation that um, is uh, always uh, a part of the uh, the internet um, just a, a couple of little things. It might be interesting for people to know, Alexi, that Australia is the 10th largest among the uh, top-level domains in the world, so even including giants like .com uh, and .org, Australia is the 10th largest domain. And secondly, to your point, we've just done some really interesting research um, that shows that Australia is, in fact, a, a central, if you like, internet hub. Uh, so we, we play a role uh, in the global internet that is, you know, beyond what you would ordinarily think for our size as a country. Um, and one of the statistics we have, for example, is that we get two, uh, four billion queries to .au name servers every day. It's a huge level of tra uh, traffic uh, to our .au. When you say um, the traffic, is that things like people interacting with their .au? That could be sending emails or that could be uh, making inquiries. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's checking websites, sending emails backwards and forwards. All the things that we do all day, Alexi, you know, you've got your mobile phone. Constantly. And you're on it and off it and on it and off it. <laughs> 
all those little things add up to 4 billion queries a day, not only from people in Australia, but from people around the world accessing .au websites and emails. That's incredible. And, you know, you think about that volume of traffic on a daily basis. Um, is everything stable? Can you give us some assurity out yeah. there that, that everything is not going to sort of fall over? We're so used to hearing about um, uh -huh. major companies, you know, losing our trust mm -hmm. because they're, they're falling over and having such an impact on the community. Something like this falling over yes. would have a massive impact on community and commerce and trade. Yes. Um, is everything okay? Uh, 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 yes, is the very quick answer to that question. So let me get that out of the way um, first up. Um, but we are so deeply aware, Alexi, of the role that we play in Australia's economic and community life. Um, and just to um, uh, double down, if you like, on the reassurance and to uh, go back to that period uh, where we suddenly all realised, I think, the um, value of our online ways of working and living. Uh, during COVID, um, I took up the role in the very earliest stages of COVID and my very first question to our technical experts is, do we have enough capacity to get Australia through COVID as everything shifts online? Uh, and the answer came back that we absolutely do have multiple times the capacity that we would ever need. And we saw the reality of that through COVID. Um, people were able to change their ways of living and working, um, but they did so seamlessly in conjunction with the telecommunications companies, of course. Um, but the internet, the .au, didn't let anybody down during that terrible period. A more, a more positive comment that I'd like to make about that was the amount of innovation, Alexi, that we saw from small business during that terrible COVID time. And we were watching the registration of domain names and saw this huge spike up of existing small businesses who hadn't really felt they needed a digital presence before realised that to get through COVID, they did. So whether it was click and collect coffee or, uh, you know, click and collect clothes or whatever, um, we saw a very significant spike up. And that kind of innovation, I think, is a bit of an untold story from that horrible COVID experience. Um, small businesses were so important to their communities and they really stepped up. We had a wonderful story here on Small Biz Matters just before I took that break. I interviewed um, a lovely gentleman from Stage Kings and they were one of the mm -hmm. real absolute um, uh, heroes of the COVID uh, space. They were event guys. They used to make stages mm. and build stages for the theatre and for outdoor events and for major um, festivals. And of course, that all stopped during COVID. And they flipped their mm. entire um, business model to making home-based uh business centres and um, and things mm -hmm, like, you mm -hmm. know, adaptable desks and things yeah. like that. And it was so wonderful because they went on to employ yeah. and have an entire new part of their business up and running. And they employed an extra mm -hmm. 50 people during COVID because they did this this mm -hmm. flip and they changed things. And, and having access to that capacity on the internet, mm -hmm. being able to change quickly was so important. You talked a little mm -hmm. bit about capacity and we did see that, obviously, that spike. Um, mm -hmm. How do you deal with that those increases, what uh, what sort of infrastructure needs to be in play? Who do you communicate with to make sure that that is always there and if there's a sudden increase, then we've got that capacity? 
Um, we've got uh, the technical uh, platform behind the internet um, is a platform that we run with huge amounts of redundancy. Um, in a, a more granular level, we um, speak uh, at least once a month, uh, more regularly if needed, with the registrars who actually uh, hand out the domain name licences to small businesses to keep them up to date with what we're seeing. Um, and we've got accreditation standards for those registrars that go to the processes they use to register a domain name uh, so that that happens very quickly. Uh, processes they use to validate the um, person wanting the domain name uh, to make sure that our trust and confidence in .au remains high. Uh, and we also attend to uh, the security standards of our individual registrars. Um, so it's really a combination, Alexi, of the technical capabilities capability, which in a sense is the easy bit. We've just got lots and lots and lots of that. Um, and our communications with our registrars to maintain a very high level of service uh, across the whole ecosystem in .au. Rosemary, that's really interesting to find out that that capacity is there and we don't need to worry. And I think we had all in a way forgotten mm. about what happened during covid maybe just trying mm. to push it, push those memories down a little yeah. bit as small businesses. Right. But certainly there was some great innovation and great capacity they're building for the economy. We're going to take a quick break here on Small Biz Matters. And when we mm -hmm. return after our community service announcements, I want to ask you about policy and the way that ALDA actually speaks to government and how you represent small businesses in that space. You're listening to Triple H 100.1 FM. We'll be back after this. This episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. As Biffio assists, advocates and provides information to Australia's 2.5 million small and family businesses when and where they need it. Aspifio delivers practical and actionable advice and research to governments on how to improve policies and legislation. Since its inception, Aspifio has responded to over 40,000 requests for assistance from Australian small and family businesses and provides access to dispute resolution services, including assistance with disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticulture and oil codes. Aspifio also connects small and family business with mental health support should the need arise. As an independent advocate for small business owners, Aspifio is committed to ensuring that Australia is the best place to start, grow or transform a business now and well into the future. See how Aspifio can support you at asbfeo.gov.au. And welcome back to the studios of Triple H. You're listening to Small Beers Matters. That's all about people, policy and purpose in the small business domain. We're talking to Rosemary Sinclair, who is the, a the CEO of AUDA. Just before the break, she was explaining how the capacity is there and the ability to, uh, to meet the needs of the small business community is very much there. And, and that, was, that was shown during the period of COVID. Now, Rosemary, I wanted to ask you about the ways in which ALDA researches and reports um, this uh, information back to the government and what sort of influence it has on government policy in the tech space in particular? Mm -hmm. um, well, we're focusing, uh, Alexi, on three big issues in terms of helping government uh, to think about the issues and then 
making recommendations about um, programs and responses. The first one is cybersecurity uh, and how we effectively include small business in that whole effort, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, the second area is digital inclusion, making sure that everybody's connected, um, is confidence, uh, confident rather and has the skills uh, that they need to engage. And in a sense, that's growing the potential market for small business, but also for um, government services. And the third area is innovation very, very broadly. Um, that's one of the um, key um, precious things about the internet. Um, it's a technical platform, but what it has enabled is uh, what people call permissionless innovation. You can have a great idea as a small business entrepreneur, get your domain name in .au, of course, and then connect to the internet and away you go. You, you don't need anybody's permission uh, to get that, uh, that innovation going. And that's really critical and it's going to become more important. So the way we go about influencing government is we first of all ask small business uh, what they think about a range of different things uh, through a piece of research that we do every year called the Digital Lives of Australians. And we talk to households, but very importantly, we talk to small business um, because, of course, small business is the engine of the Australian economy. It's absolutely critical. Small business is critical uh, to Australia's success. And so this year, for example, we asked small business about the new technologies that everybody's talking about, artificial intelligence, blockchain, uh, robotics and um, augmented reality or the metaverse. And it was really interesting. Um, small business told us through this research that they're very interested in these technologies um, from an efficiency and cost reduction point of view. But um, knowledge is only in the emerging stages. Uh, there needs to be quite a bit of awareness building and explaining and supporting. Uh, and then there was expressed a um, real concern about the need for policy and regulatory framework around the emergence of these technologies. Um, so we've taken that message back to government to say, you know, people understand that these are important innovations, but there's a need for programs and policies to support the um, good and effective introduction of these technologies. Um, we've done the same with digital inclusion. Um, and on innovation, I'll just take a minute on that one um, because we found through a different piece of research that we've done uh, called a Digital Atlas of Australia um, that uh, innovation through digital technologies um, is not linked to population and in some senses it's not linked to geography either. Um, there is a link uh, to demographic type factors uh, income, education and so on. But there's a very strong link to the amount of government, um, uh, and I'm meaning in this context local government as well as state and federal, but government interest in innovation in a particular community and a local economy. And we see quite clearly that where those governments have supported innovation with policies and programs, 
the digital density, if you like, of those areas is much, much deeper. So, can uh, I ask, so that was an interesting finding. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, we, I just yeah. want to unpack that a little bit because when speaking yeah. to policymakers, you quite often hear them talking about digitisation. Now, I, I mm. find that a really, firstly, a very broad topic and, and it's not just about digitising. There's mm. a number of steps to that and processes within yep. an organisation when, you, when you're trying to build that up. Mm. But I, I feel as though that it's a bit of a a kind of a go-to uh, phrase that mm-hmm. governments use when they're trying to talk about the different ways in which people should make those changes. But mm-hmm. they need to do more of a job, a better job of upskilling in particular areas, mm-hmm. right? It's not just a matter of going, we're going to yes. do a digitization program. Is that what you mean by yes. governments make the effort to look at cybersecurity or they look at digital marketing or they look at um, you know, digital innovations yes. and new technologies, and that's what improves things in a particular community. Yes, rather than just this blanket, you know, digitization, digital disruption, transformation, these words that people throw around, uh, where we're getting to, um, Alexi, on the basis of the research is information that's telling us that small business understand the power of these technologies but need particular help in applying them, such as um, help around cybersecurity. You know, what what do I do? Uh, help around skills development. Uh, even help uh, around understanding what sorts of technologies will help achieve these um, uh, more efficient and better market outcomes. In our digital atlas, we found um, that certain sorts of sectors use certain sorts of technologies. And so we think just from our point of view, there's a a role for us to share that knowledge so that people can start to understand what the first and the next question is um, on that journey. Uh, On cybersecurity, uh, the work that we've done um, says that we've got a real vulnerability in the Australian economy because of hacked small business websites uh, and what we're doing is looking uh, at the technologies that are in play with a view to getting to a point where we can say to small business, you know, talk to your IT people about, you know, th- these particular pieces of software because if you've got those, then you're likely to be more vulnerable and the uh, business, uh, the damage to your business is likely to be extensive. So uh, we're taking a very practical lens to all of this. Um, but the role for government uh, in spreading the word very broadly is absolutely critical. And it's interesting that you talk about grassroots and the importance of um, if you keep it within the community, they can support one another, I presume. And is Mm. face-to-face learning better for small businesses or can they do it digitally? I'm just thinking of programs that might be rolled out by councils in particular who have good economic development pathways and want to support their small businesses. Is one of your um, policy suggestions for government to make it easier for councils to access the funds to be able to deliver such programs locally? Yes, because what what we see is that um, um, local connections are very strong uh, and what we all understand from, you know, digital networks is that um, word of mouth or, you know, viral spreading of messages is very, very important. So we need to harness those in the cybersecurity fight. Uh, our own experience suggests that um, short bursts of online training, but very, very regularly, 
can be very effective in uplifting standards. Um, and it's not it, it's not very tricky or very technical. It's about being careful with your passwords. Um, it's about not responding to messages that say, you know, it's very urgent that you give us your bank account details like tomorrow. Um, uh, so there, there's certain um, red flags that are really quite easy to identify once, once you've had the training. Um, but simple messages, repeat, repeat, regularly mm. uh, that's really the key so there's a terrific role for local government to support local communities yes absolutely and let me just do a quick plug for uh, cyber security um, and talking about yes. cyber wardens which is a great initiative yes. that's been rolled out by cosboa which anybody can access anybody can get the free training to become a cyber warden within your business or if you're an advisor or even if you work within a business and you'd like to wear that hat so mm. um that's very interesting. Let's talk about the uh, .au domain and why it's important that small businesses need to be aware of that because I understand that that's been turned on um, for the reasons of building, you know, building on cybersecurity and making, mm. making the whole infrastructure more secure. Um, explain to us what they need to know and what they need to do in a practical sense. So, so dot, .au domain um, is, uh, uh, th there's a new name in .au domain, .au direct. Um, and we um, put that innovation in place in the last 12 months uh, to enable um, the kind of innovation that we're seeing in this um, digital economy of ours, where people are having all sorts of amazing um, ideas and entrepreneurship opportunities. Um, so .au Direct is a new namespace um, which enables people to register very easily. You still have to meet the um, threshold issue of proving a valid Australian presence, um, but you don't have to be uh, a registered business uh, to get a .au Direct. In terms of the cybersecurity aspects, um, we've been very, very careful to launch this new namespace with the existing standards of cybersecurity around it. And um, over the 12 months that .au Direct has been in place, uh, we've not seen any uplift in cybersecurity problems in the .au domain. In fact, we have maintained and uh, further improved our position as one of the least troublesome domains in the whole world. Uh, and that relates to the huge technical and policy effort that we put into making .au trusted so that Australians can have confidence in it. Um, but the .au direct part of our overall domain, Alexi, is now 18% of the 4.2 million names after 12 months, after 12 months, pardon me, um, which says to me that the kind of innovation that we were thinking was needed, uh, we were right about that. And we've created tremendous opportunity for Australian uh, small businesses and micro entrepreneurs. The one thing we would say to people, though, is if you've got a good idea for a business, get your .au domain name first. Uh, it's easy, it's very cheap, uh, and then you've got it. 
you don't have to build a website within a month uh, or send emails. You can have the name and, and hold that until you're ready for your business idea. Um, but getting that uh, domain that you think will really appeal to your customers is a critical first step. It's certainly um, one of the steps that you definitely need to take when you're setting up a business. I mean, it's important that you check that your uh, business name is available in the business register, but also check mm. IP Australia because sometimes people yeah. uh, haven't yet registered their name, but they have put some um, protection around that name. So make sure you check that so you mm. don't end up with a cease and desist letter later down yes. the track. And also getting those <laughs> domains. Now, what I wanted to ask you was I, I once had mm. a client when I was a, a BAS agent who um, – grabbed as many different dot finishes as he mm-hmm. could. He had like dot admin, yes. dot space, yep. dot au, mm-hmm. dot com, dot au. Is that necessary mm-hmm. these days or is it really um, you don't need to protect yourself that well? It's more about having that internet, um, mm. you know, making sure that you've got a presence yes. and that, that way you get up further up the Google search. Yes. Look, some people do take the same name with all the different endings that are relevant, you know, .org, .com, .au direct, Um, but many others, Alexi, don't. They just get their particular .au domain name, whichever one they choose, uh, and then they're able to secure their online presence and do whatever they're doing, business or community service, uh, quite happily. Um, So I I would say it's not necessary, but it's a choice. If you want to have, you know, all the different endings, and they're available, of course, um, then by all means, uh, we try to keep the costs of .au as low as possible to enable choices. Um, But it it really just depends on the circumstances, I think. And can Uh, I I wouldn't say that it's... So I was going to ask you to say as well, can I ask you about the .org? Do you have to be a not-for-profit in order to get the .org or can literally anybody grab that? Um, no, there are there are rules around the .org.au namespace, um, but uh, we've recently made a small change to say that if you're registered uh, with the ACNC, then you're able to get a .org.au um, so uh, if people are um, unsure about that, then please talk to your registrar about that particular namespace uh, rules. And, of course, uh, we're open to queries as well, inquiries about, uh, about our rules at any time. And those people who provide the registrars to businesses, they tend to be the IT guys or people who they, they ask for support. Sometimes you can do it within a large organisation like GoDaddy or something like that as well. Do you play mm-hmm. equally with all of those part moving parts? Do you deal with associations that work with IT technicians, for example? How do you communicate with that industry? Yes, we, we've got um, 34 or 35 accredited registrars, some very large global players, some uh, much smaller Australian-based organisations, uh, and then working with uh, those organisations is a very wide ecosystem of resellers. Um, so it's a pretty vibrant market and channel in terms of how to get uh, a domain name Uh, What we would say to people, though, is to make sure that your details are the details that are registered uh, for the domain name uh, so that um, down the track when uh, your IT professional or uh, someone has, you know, moved on or their business has changed, uh, you're not left with a problem in regard to your domain name. But the channel is very, very vibrant. And as I was saying earlier, we 
we talk many, many times to our channel partners to make sure that they're aware of what's going on and they're delivering high-quality service to Australian users of .au. That's another great tip. Make sure that your business details, just like with the ATO and other government regulators, mm-hmm. that you've got all of those details up to date because you never know what might happen to a small business or even to a large business um, that might mm-hmm. uh, that might have those details on your behalf. Look, Rosemary, I just want to take the chance to say thank you so much for unpacking.au for us and helping us to understand the work of Alda and your role in the small business community and who you interact with. It's great to have someone with so much so many decades of experience working in international telecommunications policy behind um, the organisation. So where can people find out more if they want to get in touch? Um, you can go to auda.au um, or auda.org.au. Fantastic. There's lots and lots. Lots, lots, yeah, lots there is there's lots of information yeah. on there, actually. <laughs> I've noticed that there's um, there's lots to unpack and great tips there about how to make yourselves more secure. Um, and, uh, right. and that's really wonderful. Thank you for interacting with Small Biz Matters today. And remember, everyone, you can um, always listen on live on uh, your podcast channels. We're here every Tuesday on Triple H 100.1 FM. So who's on the program next week? Well, recently I went to the Get Connected 2023 conference, which is hosted by QuickBooks Intuit in Australia, and interviewed a whole bunch of people all about some really pertinent issues facing the accounting, but also the small business industry. Had a chat with people about the open banking regime and what changes are happening and what it means for small business, and also talked to some head honchos from GoDaddy talking about why it's important to be aware of AI and the changes and how it can help you in your social media marketing. A fascinating discussion highly recommend you listen next week at 9am on triple h 100.1 fm this is alexi boyd signing off and i'll talk to you all next week